The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Welcome to the American Negotiation Institute's podcast, where we will teach you the skills you need to get more out of life. And now your host, Kwame Christian. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. I'm Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer and I'm passionate about teaching business professionals like you the keys to negotiation and persuasion. This podcast is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, where we offer live negotiation trainings, business consulting, and one-on-one coaching for professionals that want to learn how to communicate more confidently and persuasively. From now until the end of the summer, we're offering all listeners one free coaching session with me. And if you're interested, go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash coaching or click the link in the description below. Today we are turning back the clock and we are going to do another solo episode. It's been about eight months since my last solo episode, so I thought this would be a good time to bring it back. Uh, I was looking at some of the topics that we covered and we obviously covered some really cool stuff, really helpful stuff, but I recognize that some of the techniques that I consider to be the most powerful and the concepts that I think to be the most important have been overlooked. They just haven't come up in, in natural conversation with the interviews. So I wanted to bring this back to cover some of the core techniques and skills and concepts that we need to uh, become well-rounded negotiators. And in my opinion, uh, the tool of anchoring is one of the most powerful, probably the most powerful negotiation technique when it comes to negotiating bigger deals if you are trying to get bigger deals or if you're on the other side um, trying to lower the cost of whatever it is you're trying to buy or avoiding bad things. Sometimes it's not always money that we are negotiating. In in the case of attorneys and lawyers, um, we are, if you are in criminal law, you're negotiating maybe (laughs) time in jail. And so this is a technique that can be used in those types of Um, important professional situations, and obviously in sales as well. The really cool thing about this technique is that it can be used in social situations as well. Um, And I think it's really underutilized as a an everyday negotiation technique. And so in this episode, I'll talk to you about how you can use it professionally and personally, and one of the hidden ways of using it that I think people often overlook. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. And now you're going to be, after you learn about it, you're going to be seeing opportunities to use it everywhere. So let's go ahead and jump right in. So what is anchoring? So when you think about anchoring, I want you to think about an actual anchor. Think about a boat. What does an anchor do? You drop the anchor when you want to stay in a certain place. And that way you know that the boat is not going to move from that area. It can only go but so far from that anchor. And conceptually, that's the way that we want to think about anchoring in a negotiation. We put this thing down. We stake our claim in the ground in the negotiation. And we want to make sure that whatever the deal is, it ends up being somewhat close to this anchor. So how do we do this? In a nutshell, I'll I'll make this sound really, really easy and then (laughs) break it down to explain why it's not as easy as it seems. Um, You ask for the you, you make the most reasonably aggressive offer that you can make 
to start the conversation. And it sounds super simple, but it's not as easy as you think. So for instance, if you are trying to close a, a big deal, um, remember the last episode we had uh, with the president of Fifth Third Bank. Um, his deals were like nine-figure deals. Uh, so what he would be trying to do is get the highest number as, as possible. So he would work with his team to figure out the highest number, the highest price that he could reasonably justify and try to close at that. And that would be the opening, that would be his opening offer. Um, but the thing is, you need to anchor with care because it's one of those things. Like I said, it sounds easy, but it's not. If you do it in, incorrectly, you risk destroying the relationship and ruining your credibility. So don't just stop the episode now. There's a lot more to learn on this. So the power of anchoring lies in the contrast effect. So imagine if you had your hand in really hot water and then you then put your hand in water that was just moderately hot. That moderately hot water would then seem cold compared to the hot water. And vice versa, if you have your hand in cold water and then you have your hand in lukewarm water, um, then your hand, when it is in lukewarm water, will feel like it is hot, like it's burning. Um, I think about the times when my brother and I would have <laughs> snowball fights and our hands would get to the point where it's getting numb and just so cold from th throwing snowballs at each other. And then we come in and we're like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll put our hands under underwater. And it doesn't even matter the temperature of the water. It feels like our hand is burning just because we're so used to that cold uh, feeling of the snow. And, and that's the same type of psychological uh, effect that's at play when it comes to anchoring. You start off with something that's a little bit extreme, that almost borders on extreme, and then anything that comes, any movement you have on that will seem a lot more reasonable in contrast. As you know, uh, my first academic love was psychology. I loved social psychology especially. And the reason I loved studying human cognition is because I believe we are the only animal on this earth that regularly overestimates how smart we are. We are simply not as smart as we think we are. It's crazy. And these uh, uh, persuasive principles really expose that because <laughs> we are very simple creatures. And the fact that we refuse to admit it is what really makes us the most vulnerable because we don't think that we can be played like this, but we can be. One of the most interesting things about anchoring is that even when you know you are being anchored, it still has an effect. It is that powerful. It's incredibly difficult to shield yourself from the effects of anchoring. So really, one of the first things you can do to protect yourself is to be the first person to anchor. And you need to do it reasonably, because if you just walk into a negotiation and say, hi, my name's Sarah, I want a million dollars, it's like, whoa, <laughs> slow down. That was weird. That was weird. So there needs to be a time period of getting to know the other side, getting to know their interest. Remember, we're always trying to get more information. And think about it as, um, and I'm going to use this analogy a lot going forward. It's like you're aiming. As you ask questions and get more information, it's like you're aiming. You're trying to get that bullseye. And you don't you don't take the shot until you have a clear, steady shot on, on the bullseye. And it's the same thing with anchoring. You ask questions, figure out what's going on, learn more information. And then when you feel confident in where you are, 
you take the shot. And that's when you drop the anchor. So here's an example. Um, going back to humans not being smart, <laughs> let me tell you about some studies that show how powerful anchoring is. So the uh, seminal study on this came from Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. Um, and it was they used a wheel. So imagine Wheel of Fortune, where you just spin and you land on a random number. But in this case, it wasn't random. In this case, the, the wheel was rigged. So the people who spun would either land on the number 10 or the number 65. So they had 0 to 100, and you would either land on 10 or 65. And so then they would ask a completely unrelated question. They would say, what percentage of African nations are in the United Nations? Completely unrelated to this uh, roulette wheel. But they would ask the question. And an interesting thing happened. The participants who spun the wheel and landed on 10 guessed lower values. And the people who spin, spun the wheel and landed on 65 guessed higher values. So for the people who landed on 10 when they spun the wheel guessed that only 25% of African nations were in the United Nations. Whereas the people who landed on 65 guessed on average that 45% of the nations in Africa were in the United Nations. That's a pretty significant difference based on something that has no bearing on, on the question being asked. And, and it gets more ridiculous. Here's another one. This one is, is really funny. So they had people broken up into two groups, and they were asked the question about Gandhi. And they said, do you think Gandhi died before or after the age of nine? And then another group was asked, do you think Gandhi died <laughs> before or after the age of 140? Okay, so just thinking logically, yeah, we know Gandhi lived to be older than nine. And yeah, we know he was way younger than 140 when he died. Um, those are just nonsense questions. But it didn't stop us from being affected by the anchor. And so on average, the people who were asked the question, did he die before or after the age of nine, guessed that he died at age 50. And the people who were asked, did he die before or after 140, guessed that he died at 67. It's crazy. It's really crazy. That's, that's a significant difference. And so that just goes to tell the power of anchoring. So then it begs the question, if anchoring is so powerful in ridiculous situations like this, how powerful do you think it is when you actually come up with legitimate anchors? So this craziness explains why I am so anal about every number that appears in my conversations and in what I write. So if I'm negotiating on behalf of a client and I want to bring down the anchor, I will write the date in a way that has smaller numbers. So for instance, I would say July 21, 17. Now, if I want to raise the anchor, I would say 07, 20, 17. So it looks like a bigger number. Every number that I put on this thing, on this document, is going to have big numbers, so it gets them thinking of bigger numbers. So the examples that I gave earlier that probably seem ridiculous, they still matter because even though they are nonsensical, um, <laughs> the, with the way that we think, we are going to be affected by even the silliest thing.
So let's bring it back to the business world. So what does this look like? Um, the last study I'll tell you about, and I could listen, I could go for days with these studies. <laughs> they are just endlessly fascinating to me. There was another study where they had experienced realtors come in and guess how much a house costs. And so they had them broken into four groups. One group, and but they all saw the, they all saw the same house. All of them looked at the exact same house. Uh, they were given information on the neighborhood and the house, and they and all of that information was the same. The only thing that differed was the listing price of the house. And these are people who were experienced in real estate. And so in one group, they had the house listed at $119,000. The next group, it was $129,000. The third group, it was $139,000. And in the fourth group, it was $149,000. And so then they asked each participants, each of the participants in the groups to guess how much a fair, the, the fair market value is for this house. Like, what do you think would be a fair offer? For this house. And now, um, since you understand anchoring, it's not going to be too surprising, but group A had a price that was significantly lower than group B, and B was lower than C, and C was lower than D. And this is where it gets really interesting. After they asked them to guess how much they thought the house was worth, they said, do you think that you were affected by the listing price when coming up to this evaluation? And they all said no. I think it was I think it was like 80, high 80% of the people asked said no, they weren't affected. And so the thing is, anchoring is so subtle. It can be. Well, when done right, it can be subtle. And when it's done subtly, people don't even know that they should be defending themselves against it. And so that is why we need to take the opportunity to use this technique whenever possible. So next. How do we use it? <laughs> hey, Kwame, this is a cool technique. How do we actually do it now? Um, I'm glad you asked. Well, here we go. So this is another concept that we need to talk about. This is called the zone of possible agreements, also known as ZOPA, if you are in the know. <laughs> and now you are. So yeah, so from here on out, we're going to call it the ZOPA. And so when it comes to the ZOPA, we can understand based on our research, remember, we're always going into these negotiations very well prepared. Based on our research, we can make a reasonable guess as to where we think the deal can end. For example, in that house negotiation example from the experiment, we might say that the zone of possible agreements for this house that people are looking at is somewhere between $125 and $150. Um, yeah, $25,000 is a pretty wide range, but at least it gives us a range of possibilities. Uh, for where this deal can land. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. So with the anchor, what you do is you do your research, you figure out what the Zopa is, and then you put your first offer as far to the extreme of the Zopa as you possibly can. And the goal here is to make an offer that is the highest or lowest number that you can reasonably justify. So how do how do we determine what is a reasonable justification? Again, uh, here are some more important negotiation terms that you need to learn. Legitimacy and objective criteria. You want to substantiate every single offer that you make with objective, legitimate criteria. So let's break this down. What's the definition here? Objective criteria. If something is objective, that means it is the, well, let's go ahead and say it's the opposite of subjective. Um, if something's subjective, that is up to your personal whim. That's that's your opinion. That based, That's based on feelings. If something has some kind of objectivity, we're talking about fact, something that can be substantiated, something that's actually real and tangible. And so legitimate in this case, deals kind of like with respect. So for instance, um, let's go to politics. Everybody is talking about politics now. So for instance, um, there are certain news outlets that are considered to be more to the right and certain news outlets that are considered to be more to the left. So if you're talking to a Republican and you cite things from Huffington Post or or MSNBC, they are not going to think that it is legitimate. And if you're talking to a a hardcore Democrat and you cite Fox News, they aren't going to think that that news source is legitimate um, because they they believe that there is some um, subjectivity into the way they report and some bias. So what you want to do is you want to understand the biases and and, um, predispositions of the people on the other side and figure out what is something that they would respect. What is a source that would be respected by that person. So since we've been talking about real estate, let's stick with real estate. Um, In that case, with real estate, you can look at the auditor's website. That's a government organization that is tasked with trying to figure out what the value of property is in order to determine how much taxes, how much you need to pay in taxes. And so that is something that's legitimate. They don't have a vested interest in it one way or another. Their job is to figure out what the fair market value is. And so if you are in real estate trying to negotiate the values for a house, the auditor's website is a good place to start because they would both be considered legitimate and objective. If you were a lawyer, then you would look to precedent. You'd say, okay, the highest court in the land in this jurisdiction repeatedly comes down on this side of the issue. Um, That's going to be the base of my argument, and that's what I'm going to use as the bedrock, the foundation of my anchor. Now let's go back to the car negotiation episodes. If you are trying to buy a car and you see the listing price is higher than you'd like, then you would try to find um, a source like the Kelly Blue Book to see if the asking price is too high. You would be able to see an average price for a car of that make and model and year and condition on that website. And that's something that both parties would be able to respect. It is both objective and legitimate. So let's say we don't do that. Let's say you say to yourself, well, Kwame, that sounds all nice and good, but I'm going to be really aggressive. I'm going to walk into my job and I'm going to ask for $5 billion dollars and hope for the best. And that's where we'll start the conversation. Um, Here's the problem. 
you will lose credibility because that would look ridiculous. It's like, are you trying to get a job or are you trying to help chip away at the national debt? Because $5 billion, that's absurd. So what you need to do in your mind is use what I call the because test. Ask yourself if you can finish this sentence. I'm asking for this because X, Y, Z. Is there something legit that can go on the other side of because? If not, then you have found that you don't have a legitimate anchor. You need to be able to, <laughs> you need to, be able to say, I'm asking for this number because X, Y, Z, and be able to say it with a straight face. And that is a really simple way to tell whether or not this is legit. But again, focusing on the Zopa is going to be your best friend when it comes to figuring out where on this spectrum you should drop your anchor. All right, now before we finish up, um, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Before we finish up this episode, I have a few questions for you. Does your job do professional development training? Are you looking for a workshop for your next conference? Does your profession require effective communication or dispute resolution? If so, a negotiation training seminar might be what you need. I've had the opportunity to do these trainings around the country, and I'd love to swing by your neck of the woods. Our customized negotiation seminars are as fun as they are informative. You'll not only discover the keys to negotiation and persuasion, you'll also have the opportunity to practice these skills in a safe environment with a negotiation simulation. And at the end of the seminar, you'll be able to communicate confidently, resolve disputes effectively, and get what you want out of your next negotiation. And as an added bonus, if you let us know far enough in advance, we can get these trainings certified for continuing education credits. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email to learn more. Now let's get back to the show. Yes, I sponsor my own podcast. <laughs> Surprise. So we will finish off this episode by talking about two ways that you can use anchoring in an unexpected way. I think we really kind of beat it to death when it came to how to use it in serious situations when it comes to numbers and things like that. Um, that's pretty obvious how to use it there. But how do we use it in social situations? How do we use it in business relationships or business situations that don't really amount to an official negotiation? Well, let me show you how. So let's say you're going on a date and you're a night owl. Um, you just can't get up early. You constantly sleep in on weekends and tomorrow's Saturday. And so you don't want to wake up early. But you know that your date is an early riser and she likes to go running in the mornings and uh, have breakfast early, like 7.30, 8am, just crazy stuff. Um, so you're like, I don't, that's not how I want to spend my Saturdays. What, what do I do? So you beat her to the punch. You say, hey, what do you want to, you want to hang out tomorrow? Sure, let's hang out tomorrow. What do you want to do? How about we have dinner in a movie? We can have dinner around 8, catch a movie around 9.30 or something like that. And you know that, yeah, it's reasonable. Humans do that, <laughs> but it is a little bit on the late side. And you know that although it's reasonable, it's unlikely that she will accept that offer. And that's okay. You've given yourself a lot of wiggle room here. And so she's going to say, ah, you know I like getting places, like doing things early in the day. What about... What about a late lunch? What about 2 p.m.? Oh, cool. Yeah, that works. 
yeah, that does work because now you can sleep in. You still win. Um, but you, you realize what happens psychologically is that, of course, she would want to do something in the morning and your anchor pulled her much later into the day, which is to your benefit. So there's a simple example of, of how that could work in a social situation. Um, what about those, those business type of situations? And I believe this is probably the time where you would use it. You're probably going to use it the most in this situation. And this is when it comes to meetings and setting the agenda. Setting the agenda is probably one of the most overlooked opportunities to control a conversation and control a negotiation that there is. Um, Because the person who controls the the agenda really is in control of the flow of information, the flow of conversation, and and what topics are even going to be covered. And usually, um, you might ask somebody to send you an agenda. You might look at an agenda, say, sounds good. How many times have you pushed back on an, an agenda? Probably not that often. Um, but then when you come to the to the meeting, you are almost like enslaved by this agenda. It's like, hey, you didn't say no to this. I, I sent it to you three days ago. You didn't say no. We're going to talk about one, two, three. Oh, dang. Okay, I guess so. Um, so recognizing the the power of an agenda is is really important. I I could probably have a whole episode just on agenda setting, but that's down the road. So how can you anchor with an agenda? First thing is you want to be the person sending the agenda. And now in certain situations, it can make you look a little bit aggressive, especially if you are the subordinate um, trying to set an agenda. That can be a little bit aggressive. If you are a subordinate or a peer, it's like, oh, oh, you're setting the agendas now, Kwame. I didn't realize that. Okay. Um, So you need to do this with care. So what I would suggest doing is this. If you are not the clear superior, if you're the clear superior, just set the agenda and that's it. Um, But if you are a subordinate or an equal, what I would say is send an email to the person and say, hey, um, we have this conversation coming up in the next 24 hours. Uh, What are some things you'd like us to discuss? And they just list things. And then you say, okay. And you incorporate those things into an agenda, but you create the the agenda in a way that benefits you. So then you might be asking, how, how do I create an agenda in a way that benefits you? Well, what you do is you talk about, you list things that you want to talk about. Because we've all been in meetings where where the meeting ends and we haven't been able to address something that we wanted to address or we haven't been able to address it in the depth that we wanted to, with, with which we wanted to address it. And so in those situations, if you would have taken the time to control the agenda, you would have put your important items to the front and then you could put subheadings beneath it to ensure that everything that you want to address within that topic is addressed. And then you could put their things toward the end and address it with less depth. But the thing is, along with asking questions, controlling the agenda is one of the easiest ways to assert silent and subtle control over a conversation. And really, that's that's one of the things we need to watch out for when it comes to these negotiations. Uh, you, you, by listening to this podcast, and I'm assuming you're probably somebody who reads books on negotiation, you're probably going to be the better negotiator in the room because the majority of people don't take the time to, uh, to utilize or, Im- or improve these skills. And since you are going to be better than your counterparts, I hope, um, then I want you to be the person with the hands on the wheel. I trust you 
to take control of this conversation and steer it in a way that is productive. And controlling the agenda is a way to do that. So you aggressively set that anchor with the agenda, say those things that you want to address first. And what's cool is most likely people will not push back on the agenda. And if they do, you anchored it in, you anchored the agenda in such a way that even a slight modification still isn't enough to take you far off topic. And it still is going to be set in a way that favors you. So that's all I got today. Um, But I do have a freebie. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash anchor, you can download a free anchoring guide that you can use if you are trying to figure out exactly how to create this anchor for your uh, next negotiation. So check that out when you get a chance. AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash anchor. And I'm going to put a link in the description as well, so you could check it out there. And hey, another thing too, you'll see a link in the description that has a uh, an option for a networking call. I want to hear from you all. It, it would be cool to connect um, because whenever I reach out and actually talk to you, either if it's in, whether it's in LinkedIn or we set up a call or meet in person, it's really cool because you give me great insight for the podcast. So when I ask you to reach out, I'm, I'm dead serious about it because I think the best parts about this podcast came as a result of listeners reaching out for me, giving me feedback, offering criticism when it was, uh, when it was due, um, and, and just reaching out and connecting. So, yep. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this one and I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're finding this information helpful, please remember to leave a review and subscribe. Our goal is to teach this to as many people as possible. And every time you leave a review, it makes it easier for people to find us in the search engines. With your support and listenership, we've grown to the point where we are now the number one ranked negotiation podcast, and we have listeners in 140 different countries. We appreciate your continued support and please continue to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Remember, everybody who connects with me gets a personal message from me eventually. It takes time because uh, more and more people have been reaching out, but I want to hear from you and we actually get the chat. So continue to reach out. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you in the next one.